Hello. Thanks for checking in. My name is Tracy Smith. And for the next several minutes, I want to talk to you about vision and what it means to us. I want to talk to you about establishing a vision for our lives, for our future, for our family, for our faith, for all that God has planned for our lives. There are three words here in Habakkuk chapter 2 that I want you to learn. I hope that after we get through with them today, you'll incorporate them into everything you say and do. We're going to look at Habakkuk chapter 2, at least a part of it. And we're going to look at how the, the prophet established or positioned himself to hear from the Lord. I think as we learn and as we grow in our faith, positioning, positioning I'm sorry, ourselves to hear from God becomes less of an event and more of a part of our lives. See, we never know when God is going to deposit a vision or hope into our lives, do we? Saying that, we really have to always be ready to hear from God. We need to always be ready to listen to the plan or purpose God has for us or has for our lives. So tonight we're going to be talking about vision and three words that will help us with that vision. There are three action words in the next two verses that I want you to see. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Habakkuk. And if you write or highlight in your Bible, underline, circle, or highlight these three action words as it relates to vision. So turn to Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2. And if you struggle to find it in the Bible. It's pretty tough. But I'll help you out here. It's between Nahum and Zephaniah. And I know that helped you out tremendously. So I'll wait on you to find it. Or you can click pause I guess on the podcast. It says in, chat, in verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said. Write the vision. So we'll stop there. He said, write the vision. If you would, in your Bibles, underline, circle, or highlight the word, action word, write. That's the first action word that God gave the prophet in line with the vision. He said, write the, the, the vision. Folks, it is vital that we know the vision that God has for our lives. And if you're wondering what the vision is or what the plan for your life is i got one suggestion for you get into the word get into god's word and pray and ask him to fill you with vision to fill you with hope lord what is the plan you have for my life i hope you understand and i hope you agree that in order to get where you need to get in life, you have to understand what God's vision is for your life. So God says to him, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. It doesn't have to be complicated, does it? Write it down. Write it down on a sheet of paper. Write it down on a napkin. Write it down on a piece of cardboard. Whatever you have to do, just write it down. He said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables or tablets that he may run who reads it. So there's your second word, 
run. Underline run, the word run. The first word was to write, write the vision down so that it can be run with. So the second word is run. When God gives us a vision for our lives, we should want to run with it, shouldn't we? Not only should I write the vision down for me so that I can run with it, but I'm writing it down so that others can see it as well and others can run with it as well or help me run with it. So he says, write the vision, make it plain, make it simple so that he can run with it. And in verse three, he says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, now here's the third action word, wait for it. I believe that this is the part that becomes the biggest issue, issue for most Christians. Wait for it. I think there are probably a lot of people who give, who God has given them the vision for their life, but they were unable to wait for it. I believe that for many, it's not that we've not done the right thing. It's that we haven't done the right thing long enough. So I think we should spend a little time on this third action word in the scripture related to vision. Wouldn't it be nice to learn how to biblically wait on God or to wait on a vision? See, for starters, I believe that most of us have it all wrong from the very beginning. In English, the word wait means to stay where one is or delay action until something else happens. So for us, we hear the word wait and we slam on the brakes, right? We sit back, do nothing, waiting on something to happen. But it's not the same as biblically waiting. The definition of the word wait in scripture is translated to mean to bind by twisting. To bind by twisting. That's it's a little hard to understand, isn't it? But don't let it confuse you. Just stay with me for just a second. The word has its origins in the making of a rope. Even today they use the ancient form of rope making by binding hundreds and hundreds of strands of fabric together. Each strand of fabric is easily broken on its own, don't you think? But when they bind together or when they're bound together with hundreds of other strands, it becomes unbreakable or extremely hard to break. The picture in here is not one of sitting back and twiddling your thumbs while you're waiting on God to show up. It involves a process of binding yourself to God. The more of yourself you bind to God, the stronger you'll become. Another popular verse that uses the word wait is Isaiah 40, 31. It says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. Another biblical definition of the word is getting your stuff together. Sort of my, my answer to a biblical definition. Get your stuff together. So if you put those definitions together, in many cases, the biblical word wait embodies someone who is getting their stuff together because they are expecting something to happen. So waiting on the Lord means I'm getting my stuff together. And in the case of waiting on a vision, if I have a vision for my life, if I have a vision for my family, for my future, 
Am I getting my stuff together for that vision to manifest in my life? Think about that for a second. Because if I'm not getting my stuff together, then I'm not really communicating that I believe that I have a vision for my life, right? We don't believe that it's going to come to pass. The third action word around vision is where many people are missing it. Many may say they have a vision for their life. They, even, they may even say that they're doing things to make it become a reality. But they're not getting their stuff together to communicate that. And they don't look like they expect that vision to actually happen. So if you feel like the vision for your life is to go to a third world country, for example, and help deliver food and medicine to the masses, you don't prepare for that by sitting on the couch and scrolling through Facebook pages. You have to learn about where you're going, right? You have to learn about the organization you're going to be working with. You have to get your finances in order, so you have to secure the funding, right? There are probably a thousand other things you need to do, but you get my point. You don't just wake up one morning and jump on a plane to Guatemala or Haiti without having your stuff together. So write, run, and wait. These are not my words. This is not my personal interpretation of what the Bible is saying in this scripture. I'm telling you what God said when he spoke to the prophet Habakkuk. He said, number one, write the vision. Number two, he said to what? Run with it. And then number three, he told him to wait on it. These are the words God has given us in relationship to a vision. Write it down, run with it, and wait for it. If we'll dig into this and apply this to every day, those three words could and probably will change the way we do life. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 29. I want to begin to show you why these words are so powerful and that they aren't my words, they're God's words to Habakkuk. If you have a vision, write it down. If you have a vision, run with it. And if you have a vision, get your stuff together, showing that you believe, you personally believe that that vision is going to come to pass in your life. Because if you don't believe it, no one else will. Let's start with vision itself because we must have a vision to write, right? How can I write a vision if I don't have one? You may be thinking to yourself now, this is what I've been looking for all along. I'm looking for a vision. And you may be thinking now, I don't have a vision. And that's perfectly okay. Remember what I said earlier. If you wanted to find out, if you want to find out the vision for your life, there's only one place to find it, and that's in God's Word. God's Word is filled with words of hope that will give you vision for your life. God wants all of us to have a vision. God also wants all of us to understand the vision He has for our lives. So He wrote it here in the Bible. He wrote it there so that we would have access to it. We would be able to write it down and we'd be able to run with it. He wrote it there. He put it there so that we could understand it and get our stuff together while we waited on it to manifest in our lives. 
Proverbs 29, 18 of the King James Version says this, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. The NLT Version says, When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Now I read you both, both versions because I want to translate two words for you. And the verse is usually quoted out of the King James Version. The first word I want to translate is perish. So like the word wait, if you look at the word in Hebrew, its meaning is very different than how we use it in English. Perish, for you and I, usually means to suffer death. Typically, in a violent or sudden way. We also apply it to fruit or veggies sometimes when it has become too ripe and begun to rot, right? A long time ago, our folks used to say it perished. But like it tells us in the NLT version, perish in this verse means to cast off restraint. So this person has who has no vision, nothing restrains them. The NLT version says that they run wild. Think of it like this. You may know people in your life who have no vision. They don't stick to a job very long. They work there for only a few weeks or months or maybe even a year or so, but then they're gone. They don't stay in one place very long. They don't stay in a relationship very long, do they? They don't stick with a program, whether that's a diet or any kind of workout program. They don't stick with it very long. They'll usually tell you that they're carefree. But you and I look at them as being careless, don't we? The truth is they have no vision for their own life. And when you have no vision, nothing restrains you. You're not on a timeline. Nothing disciplines you. Nothing keeps you fastened to anything because you don't really have any hope in it. So the word perish means to cast off any restraint, to run wild. The second word is a little easier to understand, but it's law, L-A-W. That word law is referring to the Torah, which as you know, or probably know, is the word of God. So that last statement says this, but he that keepeth the word of God, happy is he. So the word of God is being attached to a vision. Why? The word of God should be the foundation for our vision. Think about it this way. If you have a vision for your life, there should be a scripture in God's word that supports your vision. Our vision or the vision for our life needs to be supported or endorsed by the word of God. Ideally, when we're in the word and reading it or studying it, or when we congregate in a church that preaches the word, as the word of God is heard and received, God begins to give us vision and convictions for our faith and our family and our future, maybe even your finances. If we're listening closely, we should probably begin to write those visions down. Our vision in this case is born out of scripture. The word of God is given birth to hope and vision in our lives. You may have a vision though that you've had for your life since you were a child. I suppose all of us as children has laid around in bed at night and visualized being something or something, someone, haven't we? The old saying was doctor, lawyer, Indian chief, nurse, 
maybe a fireman or a firewoman, a pastor. You get the picture. That was your vision at the time. And even as an adult, you may have had the same visions. And if you do, God's direction to Habakkuk still rings true. Write it down. Run with it and get your stuff together and wait for it. But I would also tell you that there should be a scriptural foundation that it's built on. If someone asks you about the foundation of your vision for your life, the answer should be based on scripture. It shouldn't be, oh, I'm going to work really hard until it happens. How many of you know people who are operating outside of the will of God right now who have worked really, really hard toward a vision and it never came to pass? If this vision is going to have God's blessing on it, I believe it needs to have his word on it, don't you? I think it has to be more than just saying that we are standing on the Bible or standing on God's word. I believe we need to know or study our Bible well enough to have specific scriptures that we reference as a foundation for our vision. Probably should be a specific verse or maybe even multiple verses that gives you the hope necessary for your vision to become a reality. Let me give you an example. When you're writing out the vision for this year or for your family, make scripture the foundation for your vision. Why is vision so important for your life? Let me give you another word for vision that is biblically synonymous with vision. It's the word hope. Both words look into the future to see what does not exist. Vision and hope. So listen to me here. Show me a person that's disciplined or that won't cast off the restraints or that stays disciplined to the marriage, that stays committed to the family, that stays committed to the job, that stays committed to the assignment or the education that is needed to fulfill the vision. Show me a person that is disciplined and committed, and I'll show you someone who has vision and hope. Look at the other side of it, though. Show me someone who has no discipline, who doesn't care about how they look or how they talk. They don't care about how they dress. They don't care about advancing themselves mentally, physically, or spiritually. Someone that is carefree, or maybe careless. I'll show you someone who doesn't have hope. If you watch the news today and you see a city where young people are roaming the streets with no purpose, I'll guarantee you that the crime rate is extremely high. The primary issue with depressed or run-down communities you see on TV or that you drive past on your way from A to B is truly a lack of vision or a lack of hope. See, sometimes we look at people who have become wayward and we become critical we become accidental Pharisees, right? What we fail to realize, though, is that many young people are wayward, not because they grew up in a way that made them want to live outside of honor and respect. It's that they don't have any hope. They don't have any vision. Maybe they were never given hope by a mom or dad. Maybe they were never mentored by a coach or someone important enough in their life or spoke into their life. A person who saw something in them that they couldn't even see in themselves. Maybe there wasn't anyone who ever cast a vision for them and said to them, 
No matter what's going on in your life, you will be someone or somebody. God has called you a purpose with a name. Maybe no one ever told them that the Lord can use them regardless of what mistakes they have made. Told them that their history does not have to define their future. Maybe they never had someone who poured into them and saw more in them than they could ever see in themselves. If you ever get a moment, ride around your community and just look. Think about what you're actually seeing. Look into the eyes of the people and tell me they don't need hope and vision. The people of this country need hope. The people of this world needs hope. The people of this world need hope and they need hope beyond a good paying job. They need hope beyond a new political leader. They need hope beyond what any party, Democrat or Republican. The people of this world need hope that only the kingdom of God can give. They need the hope that only Jesus can give. Because listen, when we get hope, we get vision. When we get vision, we get a purpose. When we get a purpose, we get disciplined. And when we get disciplined, we're made free. As the body of Christ, we need to be the voice of strength, a voice of hope and a voice of encouragement, don't we? We are expected to look into the broken places, not ignore them. We're expected to look into the broken places and find that God has chosen people in a state of brokenness to raise up for his glory. We can't do that if as Christians, our, we ourselves don't have a vision for our own lives. See, vision it's critical to a Christian's life. You may be thinking now that you need a vision. You may be looking back at the last year or looking back across your life and saying or thinking, I'm not sure, sure the Lord could have used me after all I've done or said. One of my favorite saying that James McMinnis uses is quit looking over your shoulder. That your history does not have to define your destiny. Quit looking backwards. Your future is not in your past. You have to quit looking back. Our future isn't there. If you don't have one, we have to get a vision for our life. We have to have hope in our hearts that God is raising up a new generation that will believe him for big things, that he might be glorified. See, we have to be that new generation. Write this down and find someone next week who needs to hear it. Your history does not define your destiny. Jesus said in Luke 9, 62, that no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. We have got to make a decision to quit looking back. We have to quit looking back at that brokenness, that poverty, that addiction, that sin that keeps haunting us. 
Our future is in front of us. It's not behind us. We have to get a vision for our life. If we let it and we don't take our eyes off of it, history is destined to repeat itself. It will become our crutch. It will become the reason we don't move forward in our future. It becomes the reason we don't get a job. It becomes the reason that your marriage doesn't work. It becomes the reason that your kids didn't turn out the way you wanted them to turn out. All because you were looking back at what was given to you. Vision. Any one of us could let our past define us. But glory to God, it doesn't have to. If you want to have the discipline for your life to change, you got to let the word of God give you hope. Hebrews chapter 11. And before I say that, I want to say this. As Christians, we have to be committed to helping people, to helping all people, including the ones that we don't like or get along with. We have to be committed to bring the word of God to them in a way that helps them look beyond the circumstances they're currently in. That will help them look beyond their past and beyond their own sin, even if they're embedded in sin right now. We have to let them know that There is not a person on this planet that God does not love. And the person they're currently being is not the person God made them to be. That they can be free of those things that they thought they could never walk away from. We can't be the Christian that wears them out. We can't be the Christian that points fingers at them or talks down to them because they don't fit in. We can't use God's word to belittle them as if we ourselves have our lives together. There was only one sin-free person that ever walked the face of this planet. We can't use the word of God as a whip to beat them with. We can't be that type of Christian if we want to advance the kingdom of God. What we have to do, though, is show them who they can be in Christ. Using the word of God, we have to paint a picture for them of what their family can look like, what their marriage can look like, what their life and their children can look like. We have to be able to show them through the word of God the possibilities that's available to them. We have to show them what they can be in Christ. We have to teach them or show them that God's word brings hope, that God's word brings vision. God's word brings life. Remember, vision and hope are synonymous. You can't have one without the other. You can't have a vision for your life unless you have hope, and you don't have hope unless you have a vision. We have to think about that when we are criticizing and putting folks down. How many people do you know that turn their life around simply because they were given a ray of hope? How many lifelong felons are now ministers? How many lifelong addicts are now counseling others and helping them get away from drugs? The word of God is full of hope. Hope is God telling you what to expect. It is God giving you something better to expect. God giving you something to look forward to. We don't always know what people have gone through. But we do know the Bible says in Psalms 30, that weeping may endure for a night. Right? 
You all know the story, but there was a man who laid at the pool at Bethesda for 38 years, waiting on the water to stir. The Bible tells us that in those days, an angel would come down and stir the water. If you got into the water first, while the water was stirred, you would be healed. Jesus Christ walked up to this man who had been laying there 38 years, and he asked him if he'd like to be healed. He said to Jesus, I have no man to put me into the water. Every time it stirs, people jump in ahead of me. He told Jesus no one would help him get in. But like us, what this man didn't know was that Jesus didn't need the water in that pool to heal him. This man was just like us in a lot of ways. Being in that position for 38 years, staring into the face of his Savior, he couldn't get past those 38 years and how hard it's been on him. Jesus asked him a yes or no question. His miracle was standing right in front of him. Have you ever thought about how many times your miracle was standing right in front of you? We got to get over things that don't have to hinder our future. We can't wallow in something we've been going through the last 38 years. A new beginning is right in front of us. We have to quit letting our past be an excuse for our future. I'll end with one of my favorite verses. Because we can't talk about faith or vision or hope without reading Hebrews 11.1, 1, can you? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things, what? Things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. See, you don't even need faith if you don't have hope. We don't. We all need faith, though, don't we? You won't go after faith. You won't seek faith until you have hope. If the enemy wants to shipwreck your faith, he tries to make you feel hopeless, doesn't he? The devil knows that if he can convince us that there is no hope, you will never see the need for faith. Satan is a hope killer. Every bad decision we have ever made was likely made because we lost hope or we lost vision. So faith is the substance. It's the stuff that brings hope to pass. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. We need faith because when my physical eyes or what I'm seeing with them aren't giving me hope, I need my faith eyes to keep me moving ahead. The Bible says we walk by faith. Not by sight. Faith is the substance of what I am hoping for. Faith is the stuff that we use to develop our dreams. Faith is the evidence that we can actually have what we can't see. It's the title deed. It's the evidence that I am who he made me to be. It's the evidence that I can do what he called me to do. It's the evidence that I can have what he called me to have and that I can fulfill what he has called me to fulfill. I need the faith of his word to move me beyond what my eyes can see. So get into God's word. Find God's vision for your life. 
And when you do, you write it down. I don't care if you put it on a post-it note, write it on the mirror in your bathroom, do whatever you have to do so that it's in your face. Make it simple. Don't try to be complicated. Make it simple so that you can run with it and so that others can run with it as well. And then, wait for it. Not by sitting idly by, but by binding yourself tighter and tighter to God and doing the things you need to do so that God's vision for your life will come to pass. Thank you for your time. I hope it was worth it. And I look forward to talking to you again.